hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Thanks, Rachel. It's a longish reading, but you can see all the background leading into the verses I want you to kind of zoom in on, and those are the verses 19 through to 25. So you've got Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, and you've got Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 rattling around in the back of your mind. I reckon to really be able to love and serve someone, anyone, or a group of people, you need to know what you're doing. You need to know what you're doing in order to really be able to love and serve. If you don't know what you're doing, then even your best efforts at loving and serving are likely to be a waste of time or worse. So, for example, you invite a family from church over for lunch and you think, great, we'll have um, made-at-home pizzas. You go to all the trouble of making these made-at-home pizzas and they arrive and you then discover um, that one of them is gluten intolerant and the other is lactose intolerant. You're trying to love, you're trying to serve, and yet, well, essentially, you've wasted your effort. Or, another small example, you lovingly, in the morning, before your cup of coffee, without your glasses, you unpack the dishwasher, because that's the nice thing to do. Only to discover later in the morning, that when your wife gets up, that it hadn't actually run yet. You've, the mess is in the cupboard. It's a, if, we, if we can be really good at getting busy and doing stuff, intending to love and to serve when in fact we're actually not helping the situation we're actually being a bit of a menace at that point to really love and serve we need to know what we're doing what's the connection with today's sermon there's more of a connection than this lame joke earlier we want to love and serve our church and if we want to love and serve our church we need to know what we're doing we need to know what's needed we need to know who we are as a church and what we're doing if we're going to love and serve in a meaningful and helpful way. So last week, the sermon fo focused in on who we are as Christ's church. And today we're thinking about 
what we're doing as, as Christ Church. If we're clear on who we are, clear on what we're doing, it means everyone's contribution is more likely to be worthwhile, constructive and helpful, with no dirty dishes stacked in the cupboard and no pizzas thrown out. When we're not clear on who we are and what we're doing, that's when we can waste each other's time, when we can actually annoy one another, when we can be unproductive and hurt one another and be disappointed to each other. The 15-second summary of last week's sermon, who are we as the church? We're sinners, remember that? We're sinners forgiven and made part of Christ's church. We're gathered around Christ and his gospel, and we're seeking to grow followers of Jesus. That's last week. Now we're zooming in on what it actually looks like. If you have that reading from Hebrews 10, if you zoom in on verses 19 to 25, let's work backwards from verse 25. We'll run, run fairly quickly up. So verse 25 talks about see, um, all the more as you see the day approaching. As Christians, we're looking forward to the day when Jesus returns, and that motivates us to do all the, all the things in the verses above. A bit further up through the passage, it says in verse 25, do not give up meeting together. We set aside this time on a Sunday morning. It's our choice to say we'll come to morning church or night church. We set aside this time and we guard it. This is the time we spend as a church. We prioritize. We don't let other things encroach on this time. But we're not meeting just to catch up with each other. We're not meeting just so we can say we were together. We're not meeting so we can get a bit of an emotional hit. We're not meeting because we're lonely. We're not meeting. Um, the reason we gather is in verse 24. It says, so we're still working back up the passage. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Have a look at verse 24 and think about it. We need to be clear on why it is we meet. Don't give up meeting, sure, but why we meet. We need to be thinking through, considering, prayerfully considering, going through the church directory, praying for each other, considering how we can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. We, we meet to serve each other. We meet to build each other up in Christ. That's the reason we meet. So if you're meeting for the wrong reasons, if you're coming to church for the wrong reasons, then have a rethink. Are we meeting in order to serve others, build them up in their trust in Jesus? Some of us also need to rethink um, why we don't meet as well. I'm fully aware that for some people, meeting in a large group of people, it's awkward. It's a challenge. Does your head in. But then when you look at Ephesians 10, verses 24 and 25, there's good reason to persevere at it, even when it's not easy. So keep working at it. Um, as you keep going up, backwards through the passage, um, you come to our motivation for all these things. The structure of verses 19 to 25, it goes, therefore, since, and since, let us, let us, let us, let us. Two senses, four lettuces. Two reasons, four things to do. So if you go back up to verse 19, it goes partway through the verse, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of our Lord Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. So since we have that confidence to come into God's presence, the way in has been opened up through Jesus' death in our place. You think about the way Mark's gospel, for example, records that Jesus dies on the cross and the curtain in the temple tears in two. The way into God's presence, the most holy place, is now open. As Christians, we have confidence to come to God, to approach God through Jesus. So since we have that confidence, and then verse 21, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, there's Jesus interceding for us. You've got to really read your way through Hebrews. Hebrews, it's actually written um, to people who they've understood the old covenant. They need to understand the new covenant in Jesus that much better. 
because there's this temptation to drift back to a temple and to sacrifices. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, don't do that. Um, here's his reasons. You have confidence to come into God's presence. You have Jesus as your high priest. Therefore, or since you have that, let us, let us, let us. Verse 22 says, um, let us uh, make use of that ex- access. Let's come to God. Verse 23 says, uh, to hold on to your faith, not to let go of it. And then in verses 24 and 25, there's our part as a church encouraging each other to do just those things, to hang on to your faith, to keep coming to God, to keep approaching God. As you let all that sink in, it's a quick run through a little bit of Hebrews, but it helps you think about us as a church, doesn't it? What it is we do as a church. We're living out the truth of the gospel, enjoying free access to God, helping each other with that considering how we can spur another one another on to keep living with Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. So you got that passage. And then the second one was the one I read earlier. It's Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. So this is the point where I reckon everyone who's in here now can flip your way around the Bible. Um, the, the littlest kids have, uh, are doing Genesis over in the other room. Um, this time, let's go forwards through the passage. So I go verse 11. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. The previous verses speak about Jesus or Christ giving gifts. He's ascended on high and he's distributing gifts. It's like victorious and distributing gifts. And here in verse 11, he gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or shepherds, and teachers. And you look at each of those gifts, those roles, and behind them is speaking God's word. There's a purpose to the gifts. You keep reading. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service or for ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. The teaching of God's word equips everybody to build up the body of Christ. The purpose of our service, the purpose of our ministry, which is equipped by God's word, is to build the body of Christ. And that's a good reason to do what we do when we have church, to be a Bible teaching church so that God's word is the thing that shapes us. In your growth groups, it's God's word that shapes the way you behave and what you do. It's teaching God's word that will equip us to grow and serve and work out how to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. Down in verse 15, you'll see it's not just the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers who speak. We all speak in verse 15. But we'll come to that because we're working down quickly through the passage. So verse 11, um, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature or complete, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We have this goal of together growing, growing in maturity and in completeness, growing to be more like Christ. There's less focus on agreeing with each other and more focus on agreeing with Christ, being like Christ in the way you think. I reckon um, one of the observations I have about us as Presbyterians is we're very quick to play with the rules and we're very quick to make people conform with our way of, of, we're very quick to want people to conform with our way of thinking when actually we should together be trying to be more like Christ and think more like Christ. The goal of our ministry, the goal of our service, the goal of our dishwasher unpacking and our pizza making. The goal of our service is there in verse 12, to build Christ's body to maturity and completeness. 
Um, sounds a bit like what we say we want to do. We want to grow followers of Jesus as each one of us grows in knowing Christ, grows in living for Christ, and grows in making Christ known. But after showing you the end goal of growing to maturity, verse 14 focuses back in on some of the implications for the now as we're working towards that goal. So you look in verse 14. Um, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We don't want to be immature infant Christians. We want to be solid in our understanding of the gospel. We want to be standing firm. Um, and then we're back to verse 15. We all have a part to play. Instead, speaking the truth in love. We're all speaking the truth. We're all speaking. Um, we will grow together in every respect, the maturity of him who is the head, that is Christ, loving and serving. Um, that's, that's our goal, to be loving and serving the local church here as we grow together. And then verse 16, from, this, uh, from him the whole body joined and held together and every part, uh, by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. So you've got a Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, got Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, two passages to think about as you think about what we do as a church. We want to be growing. We want to be growing in Christ, growing in knowing him, living for him and making him known. And we all have a part to play. And so we keep meeting. We keep this, this time set aside and we keep prayerfully considering how we can spur each other on to live with Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. Um, as we so now we kind of hit pause on looking at the Bible and I'll draw out how I think that these things play out for us. And so this is the point where, yeah, feel more free to disagree. But this is what I think we're doing as a church. We're a church, we have structures where the structures are there to help us grow as followers of Jesus. And so on Sunday morning, the way we do um, morning church and night church, it's purposeful. It's thought through. Um, on Sunday morning, we have KPC Kids designed for the primary school age kids. The goal is to see the little kids growing as followers of Jesus, growing in knowing Jesus and living for him and making him known. And we want to help parents um, to help their kids grow in knowing him too. Um, we've got youth group on a Sunday afternoon. Same idea. It's just targeted at a different age group. So these are structures that we run. So the high schoolers, um, we've seen the move of high schoolers, I reckon, last year, from morning church to night church, where they now have an ordained minister serving them there. Um, it's taken us a while to see that happen, but it is positive. It is encouraging because you then have this feed-through thing where they can see the older kids at church. But we run youth group on a Sunday afternoon before night church, so it's, it fits in. There's an encouragement to keep living that way. Um, morning church, we run morning church at 9.30, night church at 5.30, you know, some people can do 9.30, some people can do 5.30. But we've got these structures that we're running so that we can, together, be committed to growing together. Um, we've got growth groups through the week. Um, growth groups, the purpose of them is to, to bring it down to a smaller group of people where you can get to know each other, pray for each other in a way that you can help each other grow in ways that you can't in big church, in a group like this. In growth group, when you open the Bible together, you can bounce your ideas off one another. Um, you can disagree with one another. Um, it's a bit different to the way we do church, where we have one person speaking. But the purpose of the growth groups is, again, to help us grow followers of Jesus. That's why they're there. So we've got structures to grow people. Um, 
to help us be able to share our lives together, spur each other on, consider how we can help each other grow in love and good deeds. When I did um, ministry training before going to college, they had it drummed into us that um, structures serve people. People don't serve structures. So as a church, if we could get to the point where we think it's just not working anymore, we need to change it. We're trying to serve people to see people growing. The structures need to be run to serve growing people. Um, still thinking about how all this plays out for us. There's some things which we don't need to run structures for. We're a group of Christians. You don't need a, a roster to talk together over morning tea. You don't need a roster to help you pray through the church directory, to pray for everyone. They're things which we just do. Um, we don't need programs and structures for everything. And there's also stuff which you'll do outside of the realms of KPC. During the week, hopefully, you'll get involved if you're at university with university ministry. Yeah, there's overlap. You've got Andrew Brown here. You'll see him on campus too. Um, you, hopefully, you'll get involved with Christians in the workplace, praying with Christians in the workplace, or teaching RI in local schools, or get involved in um, local uh, in Christian camps and so on, and conferences. There's any number of ways that we as Christians mix and mingle beyond our local church here on Sunday morning. But today we're thinking about what we do as a church, and we want to grow people. We want to help people grow as followers of Jesus. We want to see people go from needing the gospel to knowing the gospel, from knowing the gospel to sharing the gospel, to be growing in our ability to see where other people can be served and helped. And I think as you grow maturity, that just should happen. And so this feedback loop happens where people who have come to understand the gospel, started living out the gospel, can help those who are still beginning. And we can serve each other in that way. Um, because as a person grows, they're equipped to serve, by understanding God's word, equipped to serve and help the body grow. Um, we're wanting people to make progress. And I think as we're pushing each other to growing godliness, it's the times when we clash. It's the times when we have differences. I reckon that's when there's a chance to grow most. So when it's painful, when it's uncomfortable, keep chipping away at it. Keep working out how you need to change, how the other person may need to change. Um, every so often someone comes along through church and you think, they are particularly good at explaining the gospel. They're particularly helpful at teaching God's word. They're the kinds of people that you want to you know, tap on the shoulder and encourage them to go to college, to be trained up and equipped and sent out to Eurasia or somewhere else where they can serve. And over the years, as a church, we've seen that happen. There's people from Kenmore that have moved to wherever around the place. But let's keep making sure that that's what we're doing. So we're thinking through who we are as a church and what we do. And I'm just spraying out how I think it works for us as a church. As a church, we're working hard at growing followers of Jesus. And we work hard, um, we work hard but we need to keep reminding ourselves that, in fact, it's actually God's work. We do everything we can and we pray. And it's actually God who does this, who grows followers of him and brings people into his kingdom. And it's great, it's encouraging, it's positive when you see it happen. But quite often, you don't see any results. You just keep praying and serving. So what do we do as a church? We grow followers of Jesus. We seek to grow, each, each of us seek to grow in knowing Jesus, in living out the truth about Jesus as we live for him. And we seek to grow in sharing Jesus as well. And we run our structures, our programs to be able to help those things, to facilitate those things. And behind the structures we run, you've got the kind of the, the admin back end, the things that we don't draw attention to, the things that silently happen. And so you've been around church for a little while and you'll be encouraged to become a communicant member. That means we're encouraging you to be, play your part in making decisions on behalf of the church. 
The biggest decisions will be who your next minister is, where money should be spent, these sorts of things. So you become a communicant member so you can do that and then from there you might become a member of the committee of management where you can make decisions and run things behind the scenes so that things just tick over. As you've uh, been listening to things that have been happening today, you would have heard there's a presbytery meeting later today. A lot of what we do is controlled by the fact that we've signed on to be Presbyterians. It's the way things work. So we have a presbytery, we have a session, we have a committee of management. Um, we have people from our church volunteering in all these capacities. And all that hopefully is behind the scenes as we seek to grow followers of Jesus. That back end, when it's done well, doesn't draw attention to itself. Um, and as we seek to um, grow followers of Jesus and run all these structures, we need financial support to make it happen. And so each November we have a, a meeting where the congregation, the communicant members come together and agree on um, what we'll set the budget at, what we think we need to make things tick over. We've done that for this year. And then we encourage each other to keep giving to church, but not just giving to church, but to be generous and give to other gospel ministry beyond KPC as well. So we need our admin back end. We need our finances. We also need facilities. We need a place to meet. At the moment, we're meeting in a school in the morning and then Uniting Church at night. We've got the property at Pullenvale we want, we want to build on. We need those facilities to, to run the structures that we run to grow followers of Jesus and see the church built up and growing. Um, it's easy for each of us to serve and get busy when we know how everything fits together, when we know who we are as Christ Church um, and, we, and when we know what we're doing as we seek to grow as followers of Jesus. So as we begin another year together as a church, you know, 2023 for a church, it kind of starts in February. Let's be clear on who it is that we are and what it is we're doing. We're a Bible teaching church in the western suburbs of Brisbane that seeks to grow followers of Jesus. And we know that as we play our part um, in growing to know Jesus and live for him and growing and sharing Jesus, we'll be helping grow Christ Church here in Kenmore. Let's pray that God would use us to see his kingdom grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for the way that you've made it possible for each of us here to hear about Jesus. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to put our trust in him. We pray that we would be living for Jesus. We pray for anyone who's still thinking about whether they are or not. Lord, please help them to be able to submit to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. We pray that we would be a church that is growing as people come to know you and live for you. Lord, please help us to stay faithful to your word, to keep teaching your word week in, week out, at church, in growth groups, in youth group, in KPC Kids. And as we do that, Lord, we pray that you'll be equipping and changing each one of us. Please help us together to be serving you, to build up your body. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.